0: Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book Next Level Freelance will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today at nextlevelfreelance.com. This episode is sponsored by Planscope. Planscope is a project management and collaboration app built for freelancers and the way they work with clients. It makes it easy to price out new estimates, and once you're underway, help answer the question, will this get done on time and under budget? I've been using Planscope to do my estimates and manage my projects, and I really, really like it. It makes it really easy to keep things in order and understand when things will get done. You can go check it out at planscope.io. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 91 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Curtis McHale. G'day. Eric Davis. Hello. Reuven Lerner. Hi, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we're going to be talking about when things don't go well with your client or with your uh, project. And uh, this is being inspired by real events, (laughs) let me just say. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about background on this particular project, but I'm sure you guys have other experiences where a project has kind of soured. And so I'd love to hear what your experience is and how you handled it. Um, but basically no, it's, it's only you, Chuck.
1: This has never happened to any of us.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think all of you have been freelancing longer than I have, so. Yeah, but basically what happened was we wound up waiting quite a long time for some information that we needed in order to uh, move ahead with this project, and we got that information about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, and then the vendors that we needed that information for finally started getting us the information we needed to integrate with their uh, services. And then what happened was uh, the client basically was uh, upset because that was the progress connecting to those services, that was like his top priority, um, which wasn't well communicated. But the other issue is, is that because those were his top priorities, it felt like we hadn't gotten anything done because those top things, you know, didn't show progress for quite a long time. I'll also admit to the fact that I wasn't feeling well for a while. It turned out that my diabetes was out of control and I was just exhausted all the time. And so I didn't put in as much time as I should have on the project. And I guess I live and learn that way. But anyway, you know, neither of us really communicated well either that, you know, that he was worried about it. And I just assumed he knew where things were at because I assumed that the person who was responsible for getting that information, who is also kind of a middleman between myself and the end client, was filling him in. And it turns out that he's kind of been an absentee primary contractor. So it it kind of went sour and I've been working pretty hard to get things back to the point where they're happy with it. And the interesting thing is, is that I've had uh, several people tell me just to quit the contract to leave, you know, well, it's, it's not worth it. But my issue is, is that I I really want people to feel like they're getting fair value for their money. And I know that that's not always possible under all circumstances, but that's kind of what I'm aiming for. So yeah, we're, we're working hard on that. And anyway, I'd love to get your feedback and then I'll tell you kind of what I've decided I'm going to do unless you guys change my mind on some of that stuff.
2: One thing I've been doing lately uh, when using Trello is to actually get the clients to put the cards uh, in order of their priority, what they think is the most important, right? And then if we have to adjust it, I discuss it with them. That's Mm -hmm. how I've been able to figure, I guess, what their biggest priority is and what I can do first or next for them.
0: That is a terrific idea. I've had some clients that will do that and others won't. Is there a good way to encourage them to do that kind of thing? I just tell them that's part of their job. This isn't, like when
2: you're working with a client, <laughs> a stick says Eric in the chat. But I think too many clients, and we let this happen too as freelancers, think that they just give us the project and their job is done. They're just supposed to sit there, but they have responsibilities as well, right? And they're one of their responsibilities in working with me is to start ranking these things, making sure that they're okay. Now, if there's dependencies, we adjust things, and I let them know because they probably have no idea that there's a dependency. Mm-hmm. But that's part of their job, and that I spell that out that this is what I expect from you to do. If you cannot do it then the project's going to fail. If you'd like the project to fail, don't do your job.
0: Yeah, that's really true. And that's part of where this problem has come in. But uh, anyway... And you had an
2: extra layer there, though, right? Yeah, well... an extra layer of complexity there being like you had someone in the middle. And that certainly adds to it. I have one recently where... Actually, very similar thing, like a third party service we're waiting to integrate with them. I know the local agency that I'm working through because I do kind of custom work for them that's outside of their specialties quite often. Mm -hmm. So when we hit a problem, I just let them know and they said, "Okay, don't worry, we'll take care of it from here. So we know that we're waiting on this integration portion and they're happy with it and they let their client know. But I, again, have a long term established relationship of doing good work with them and they are in and out. I'm just in for one small piece of their larger project.
0: Yeah, and I've I've come to find out that this is more or less how this particular person manages a lot of his projects, is that he'll line up a subcontractor and then disappear. And so it, it really did cause a problem because I assumed that he was managing a lot of the communication and that just turned out not to be the case. Right. So,
1: I mean, I, I've tried to use over the years a uh, system similar to Curtis where we have a uh take a tracker of some sort and different clients have used different things, preferred different things, whether it's, you know, Chili Project or uh, Pivotal or even something else. In my cases, though, rarely do the clients want to directly be setting priorities. Sometimes they will. The more technical ones will. But the less technical ones don't want to. And so I sort of take on that responsibility for them, not prioritizing things (laughs) instead of them. But um, when we have at least a once weekly uh, phone meeting or Skype meeting, then I'll say, well, here are the, five, 10 things that I'm going to be attacking because they're at the top of the list is anything else more important. And even if they just tell me what's more important, then I can sort of adjust the priorities and then they'll see it. So they at least take a sort of semi-active role in it. But at the end of the day, they know that whatever's at the top of the list is going to get taken care of first. Um, and that if they want to change things, they'll have to email me or talk to me about it. But having, having that yeah. list is like, I have just found super, super important for transparency and everyone knowing what's going on and accountability, because then if they say, why did you work on X? Like, it's very easy to say, well, that was at the top of the list. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, well, I just sort of felt like it was important.
2: And the other thing I,
1: I have when my Trello board, I guess it's set
2: up like a Kanban, Kanban board. Is that how you say it? Anyway, which I just started reading about this week. And so I have a doing column. And so everything that's to do is just sitting there and the things I'm doing are in the doing column. So if they think I'm not working on uh, something that's their priority they can see I'm not working on it because it's not in the doing column.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, this particular project is using Pivotal Tracker. So, I mean, everything in the current line is stuff that people are currently working on because we're ahead of the velocity that's set in there. But... uh, I'll I'll tell
1: you another nice thing about using a, a tracker, whether it's Pivotal or something else, is that every task is owned by someone. And so that means, I mean, I had a project years ago where they had some developers and I had some developers working with me. And everyone was pointing fingers at each other about who really had dropped the ball and, and why things were stuck. And the moment we started using a task tracker, suddenly it became obvious who owned it and who was responsible. And then when we had our phone meetings, then when we had our online meetings, whatever it was, it was clear, oh, you know, Joe Schmo, he's, he's the guy who's supposed to be doing it. Why isn't he doing his job?
0: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, too. One redeeming quality of this is that uh, we've been using um, Harvest to track our time, and everybody on the project has had to you know, put in what they've worked on for that time period and so you know we can kind of get an idea okay they spent about you know 4 hours working on this and this and uh you know so i have been able to go back and and i trust the guys that i hired to to help me work on this so i have been able to go back and say well you know is there anything in here that you're looking at that you think doesn't line up and he's actually hired a a developer that i know and uh so i've been able to you know push back in that way and you know, and I'm trying to help him understand that some of this stuff just takes as long as it takes. And the other thing is, is that because these uh, services are kind of integral to the entire process, um, we're left with major holes in things until we can get them filled. And so just communicating what the limitations are, I think, has helped a bit. But uh, like I said, he's he's not happy because the major pieces that we're talking about aren't wired in.
1: I, I was curious, Chuck, how much direct communication has there been between the client and between the people who are subcontracting to you? Or is it, are you the conduit through which all the communication happens?
0: I am the conduit through which most of the conversation happens. And honestly, that's been fine. If you want to know how much conversation I've had between myself and the end client over the last probably week, there's been a lot. Before that, it's there was a bunch at the beginning of the project to figure out what it was what it all was supposed to be and do but after that things quieted down for about a month you're not working on the obamacare site are you nope <laughs> yeah. now when they
2: quieted down is that because nothing was happening you weren't even updating the <laughs> client to say something was happening or
0: he didn't seem to care and then all of a sudden he cared so i i think what it was was that uh he probably you know got an invoice that was a little bit bigger than he expected or something and that kind of okay how much have i spent on this so far
2: now yeah, I think if it was me, I would say part of that is on me oh absolutely right I, I, when you look at when you get it when the client gets a big invoice and they go what is this what they're really saying is I don't think I got value for that right and yeah. that means I didn't show them the value or they weren't being updated enough to know what they're going so when I do weekly like I'll I actually have been trying at a campfire room and so they get all the ticket updates they get all the git uh, the Git commits, and they get lots of information every day about what is happening on their project. Plus, we communicate back and forth throughout the day, and usually a couple times a week we actually are sending out their communication.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I have totally owned that. And you know, like I said, I mean, part of it was just that I didn't feel well, and I'd been trying to put in more time for a, another contract. And so, you know, the, to the extent that I neglected the project, um, I, I definitely claim responsibility for that. And I've I've told them that too, which may or may not have helped my case. Right.
1: I, I mean, I, I've had this client now for about four years now, and, and they're terrific. Really, we have a fantastic relationship. And probably somewhere around two years ago, they said, you know, it's probably not enough for us to exchange email and uh, tickets and so forth. Maybe we can also talk more often. And so it seems sort of obvious, like, Well, of course we should talk more often, but having that weekly phone meeting changed everything. And just knowing every week we're going to discuss whatever's coming up and then things didn't fester also. Uh, So if there was something that was really annoying to them, they could tell me before it exploded out of control.
0: Yeah. And and so uh, just to piggyback on that, that's part of what I am uh, working on right now is, so we're doing a demo this afternoon, we're doing another demo on Friday. I'm going to push them to do demos every Friday until we get this rolled out. And the other thing is, is I'm also looking at him and going, okay, well, I think we can probably deliver these things on on these dates and that, that'll give him a little bit more peace of mind that we can hit the crucial deadlines that he has for some of these features. And, uh, you know, I, I'm cranking the communication up because some of this stuff is more important to him than I thought. And so keeping him in the loop on a lot of it is, I think, going to pay off.
1: That's great. I'm curious. I mean, I know Pivotal sends email or you can configure it to send the email when things are done. I assume this client had turned that off or not activated that. So basically, you might be getting email updates saying all these things have been happening, but maybe he didn't.
0: You know, I'm not even sure if he is listed as a member. Oh, he is listed as a member on the project. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I think having demos,
1: it. demos where they can see things with their eyes, it makes all the difference in the world. I yeah. mean, I made so many mistakes over the years just saying, they're sort of describing things to clients, and <laughs> actually seeing things as opposed to having it described. It's it's just a totally different world. Yeah, totally different.
0: Yeah. The other thing that I've spent the last week basically over Thanksgiving, and then yesterday I spent like eleven hours or something mainly because it's Heroku and Heroku is a pain in the you-know-what to set some of this stuff up on. But uh, getting it all set up so that he can actually get in and play with the staging server was another thing that I think is going to pay off here. Because then he can go in and he can actually fiddle with it and say, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the first things that I do uh, with any of the sites. I was building, uh, I guess, a web app. And I started last Monday, and on Wednesday, he could start changing content. And he'd say, hey, can we change images? And I was like, you can. Log in right here and you can do it. I'm happy to do it if you want, but then you know how to manage your site. And every day, except yesterday, because there's, a, again, something we just can't push yet, I've been saying, hey, there's new updates. Here they are. Go check them out. And yesterday, at the end of the day, he got uh, an email that says, hey, I haven't pushed anything. Here's why. It should be solved tomorrow. So when we're waiting on uh, the host to do something.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the kind of thing that I'm going to be doing. The primary communication medium has been Skype as well, and I think an email w- would probably work a little bit better, just a prompt information. As in control. Skype calls? No, Skype chat. But it doesn't seem like he always gets my uh, messages. And so I think email is just a little bit more reliable. Well, and then for each client, it's always different, right? Did they request Skype or yes. not? Yeah, that, I mean, that's another issue that was that went on with this was that, so there are basically two phases to this project. And they're in a hurry to get it done. And so the phase one guys, they'd been working on things for like two months before we got started. And so we're responsible for taking what they've worked on and merging their stuff into our stuff. And so every time we merge, I haven't merged in about two weeks because they haven't pushed anything to the common branch that I'm supposed to pull stuff out of for about two weeks. But uh, every time we merge that, it breaks stuff. And so then we have to rejigger things too. And, uh, I mean, there, there are like so many things about this project that are not ideal. And there were so many red flags when it first came up that I'm realizing now that I probably should have said no, but now that I've said yes, I I really want to deliver and, and make things right or as right as I can.
3: You know what it kind of sounds like to me? There's, there isn't one person on the project who's responsible. Like if there's a problem between the team's integration or if, that third-party service, you know, has delays. There's no one person's head on the chopping block. And so it seems like it's like the blame game. Blame kind of gets passed around. You know, you're probably getting a, a good amount because you're a sub of a sub or whatever. Uh, I mean, I've had a project that had kind of problems like this, but in that case, there was it was actually two people, but they shared the role pretty good. They were the peoples who... At the end of the day, if a developer screwed something up, that screwed something up in production, those project managers were the people that took the blow, like the political blow and also you know, disciplined whatever. And it kind of seems like it could be because someone's absent on this project or what, but there's no one who's actually responsible for everything on this.
0: Yeah, well, I think I am <laughs> at this point. I'm that person just because I'm, I'm but getting am in is, the neck.
3: Yeah, you you might be getting the, what's it called? The, pr- the problems that come from it, but do you have the actual power and ability to make corrections or are you just the martyr?
0: At this point, now that we actually have what we need, I don't have a problem being that person. But the issues that have come up that I am being blamed for, I, I do have an issue with some of those because they are so- uh, several of them are not my fault. And there was nothing I could do until the middleman contractor, the primary contractor, actually got his act together and got the stuff I'm wondering how much of this stuff, though, is common among some of the painful projects that you guys have worked on. Almost every project no, my has
3: lot. one of those or similar ones. I mean, it's like I put in chat. These are classic, you know, there's a problem in the project, you know, communication, problems with the critical path, dependencies. You know, that's, I don't, I can't think of one project that has not had some, at least one significant problem in it as regarding to how it's managed.
0: Yeah, I do have to say that I read the book Remote. I think I picked it. Uh, last week. And that gave me a lot of ideas of things that I'm actually changing now as they relate to this project and how I manage my subcontractors and how I manage expectations with this client. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, you know, some of this will actually increase some of the uh, communication and help, you know, solve some of the issues where we didn't quite understand how critical some of these things were. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm considering like switching to Basecamp just because i like having the persistent log and you know skype is sometimes a little bit finicky and also setting things up like hubot and things like that so that we can do all of that stuff one other issue that i've been pushing on for a while that i've gotten absolutely no help on whatsoever is getting a, a continuous integration set up so you know and and again i mean these are just feedback medium uh, media and communication media well to be honest
3: Setting up Hubot or like kind of the higher end automation project stuff, that's not going to help if your client's not even reading emails or responding to instant messages. I mean, instant messages, emails, phone calls, those are the lowest common denominator. If you can't work for a project successfully with that, adding automation and a whole bunch of software on top of it's just going to make the communication problem you have worse.
0: Yeah, that's true. So the end client has been pretty responsive. It's been the guy in the middle that, you know, has been semi-engaged, so to speak,
1: well, if it makes you feel better, everyone has these sorts of projects. And I, I mean, know Eric said, <laughs> it, it it doesn't necessarily make you feel better or any of us feel better when these sorts of things happen because it just feels so terrible i i mean i don't know I don't know about you guys, but in general, one of the things I love about my job is helping other people accomplish what they need and seeing their businesses go and and uh, start from either nothing or and and become something or start from something, and become something much bigger and better. And when things don't go that way, I, I take it very personally. And I get like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's not going well. And what can I do? And, yeah, it's it's just very, very frustrating. I mean, yeah. the client probably feels like, oh, my God, this contractor, what did he do to me? But I at least feel uh, f- feel bad when things don't go well. Um, I mean, I had I had a project last year where I, uh, a former client of mine, whom I'd actually sworn I would never work with again, but he called me up, and it sounded interesting and good, and he wanted me to... Uh, basically subcontract to him for a project. And basically every possible thing that could have gone wrong went wrong with this. We misestimated what was involved, but they kept throwing new new uh, features and requirements at us. And someone else was doing the HTML, and they kept messing up. And we couldn't get responses from the previous developers. Like he just went on and on being disastrous. And then we weren't paid on time. And, like, so basically I said, enough. And I actually spoke with the sort of original clients, and we agreed, why don't we just cut out the middleman, since he's just causing problems. And things got a little better, but not a lot better. And at a certain point after investing an enormous number of hours of development and investigation and work time trying to dig us out of that hole, I just said to them, look, I'm I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to continue. And they were very, very upset about this. And I said, look, I, I'm I'm sorry, I really wanted this to succeed. I put an enormous amount of effort and time and money into this and it's just not going to succeed, at least not with us. And whatever we can do to hand it off to someone else will do. And that was basically the last I ever heard from them. So I don't know if they've gone on to succeed or not. I, I hope so for their sake. But uh, it's 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 not a good feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing for me is I, I took it a lot personal, um, you know, not as a personal attack, but just because I want it to work. I want it to succeed. I want everybody to be happy. And I talked to my mastermind group, last night and, you know, I, I had my turn in the hot seat, so to speak. So I got to tell everybody, you know, all of my sob stories, like I'm telling you guys, and I'm hoping this helps somebody. That's, that's why we're doing this. I'm not just telling it because it sucks for me. But one thing that they mentioned too, was that you've got to, I've got to decide where, where the boundary is and uh, stick to that. And so basically, you know, how many hours am I willing to commit to this to make it work? And under what terms am I willing to make it work? And if if that's not going to work, then you know, then I guess I can just then. Well, then I have to walk away because, um, you know, I am I am definitely risking other things by committing so much time to this project because I have other clients, and so uh, you know things like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I also worry about my reputation because you know both of these guys are local; they're here in Salt Lake. And so, uh, I've had to consider that as well. So it's, it's, it's been an interesting thing, but that's really what, what I came down to as well was that I, you know, I'm limiting my, I'm limiting the hours that I can put in on this. And if it's not good enough, then I just, I I just can't do it. But uh, the other thing is, is that as much as I care about these guys being happy, I'm not willing to sacrifice more than is reasonable to, to make them happy. And, you know, if it turns out that these guys are upset and, uh, you know, there's nothing I can do to make it right, there's nothing I can do to make them happy, then I've just got to live with that. And I don't think it's going to destroy my reputation, but I'd rather not have people out there who aren't happy with the work I did for them. Well, You're are, always going to have ha- people unhappy. Oh. Like, yeah.
3: You can't worry about that. Like, you know, do the best you can. If If it's not going to work out and you can't see it getting better... Then leave, or you know, part ways, or find someone else to do it. I mean, I don't know how old you are, Chuck. Like, but you know, you have X many years of your life available. If you want to spend six months dealing with you know a toxic environment with toxic people, and the only good side out of it is that you might save a shred of your reputation, it's probably not worth it. And it's better to get out, get out the best way you can. Find someone who you can actually really work good with and that will boost your reputation more than any kind of loss, even in the local community of bailing on a project. You know, if you document that like, hey, clients, you have did these three no-nos, which I have a policy of getting rid of, fi- like firing clients because of that, that's what, that's what you have to do. I mean, every business has people and customers that they don't want to work with and they can't work with. And, you know, you might burn some bridges, but... There's plenty of bridges out there, and it's not like this client is kind of the the gatekeeper for all of the Ruby on Rails projects in the entire world. I mean, there's most people probably don't know who this person is, They're probably not going to be calling this person up directly, saying, "Hey, do you know this Chuck guy?" You know, think about what's best for you, your life, your business, and make that decision. And you know, try to make it try to leave on the best terms you can with the client, but you know, don't feel really like to bend over backwards because someone's Taking advantage of you, or doing something you don't like, or any other number of things that just rubbed you the wrong way.
0: Yeah, I have to yeah. agree. I really do. I and and the other thing is, is I mean, other other people in the business, other people in the in that vertical, whatever. I, I know. I'm sure he talks to some people, but I yeah, it's not going to burn down all of the opportunities that are out there. I recently had a local client essentially threaten my reputation,
2: which I found quite funny essentially because i don't work for anyone local except for them i don't work for anyone local typically because they just aren't great clients they don't have the budget but i think they it's it's their money it's their like investment and even if it's say a small project right which might be five grand it's it might be all the money they have so it's a huge investment for them and i i just just had to cut them loose i just said sorry i can't do it you didn't pay me on time last time why would i continue working for you right you waited like a month and a half to pay me so, I'm sorry, I can't do anything and it was up and down and how terrible it was. And I just looked at it and I went, deleted the email and so I had to find <laughs> it in trash. I do the first thing I did was delete the email after re- reading through it. So, I had to find it in trash a couple days later if I felt like replying to it. And I didn't, so I just let it go. The other thing you got to think of too is what does this stressful client cost you? Is it costing you in your marriage or your family or stuff like that? To me, that's way more important my relationship with my family and my community and like my friends then, then uh, some programming. No one will be standing at my grave saying, he was great with WordPress. No one will care about that then. They will care about a good husband and father and community member I was. And they'll blog about it. <laughs> oh, people blog about me all the time, man. People blog about me all the time.
1: I'm awesome. I, That's
0: right. I, I, Curtis is web famous.
1: <laughs> I just want to chuck, I mean, if you decide, and, and really, I, it's not obvious to me whether you should or shouldn't leave this, this project, but I think how you leave it, um, affects your if you decide to how you leave it affects your reputation as much as anything else like I had this client where I guess it was about three four months ago he was promising me the world oh I will have you work on things and I'll have your employee work on things and you'll have to hire more people and on and on and then he got delayed a bit and then I, I turned down a project because he we were going to start on something with him he had said yes 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 Next week, you're definitely starting. I turn out a project. It turns out, actually, it was just me. It wasn't my employee. It wasn't that many hours. It was incredibly frustrating. And so I decided to leave him. And I called him up and said, look, this just is not working out. And he, first of all, was shocked and upset. And well, of course, it had something to do with the fact that he hadn't really paid me on time either. That that might have, I think, tipped the scale as well. But basically, I, I told him, look, I'm not going to leave you in the lurch. My responsibility professionally is to make sure that even if I'm leaving you, I'm going to leave you on a, a positive note and make sure that you can move on and continue making sure that your business works in the way that it should. And uh, I came in, I met with them, and I, I helped them with some things. And we actually made more progress than we expected. And uh, I I think that while it's not the perfect ending, uh, it's way better than it could have been if I had just said, goodbye, I don't want to ever work with you again.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is I think when you're close to a situation like this, your brain just goes to like, what is, you know, it it blows it way out of proportion. And if you actually sit down and reasonably think about what's the worst thing that could possibly happen, basically, it's okay. Well, you know, I probably won't work for this guy again, and I probably won't work for a few of his friends. Darn.
2: Yeah. When I got the crazy email, the first person I told was my wife. And I told her her job was to ask me every hour, if I tell me, don't reply to that email. And she kept texting me, don't reply to that email. So that I (laughs) didn't, because I was, I was, I was pissed off. I was really angry at this person on a very small contract, like a tenth of the size of a lot of the other things I do. And that was her job to say, don't, don't say anything, just wait. And then... Two days later, when she was supposed to ask me if I wanted to reply, I said, nah, I don't care anymore.
1: I got a call. This was also a while ago. This was probably close to 10 years ago. I was literally leaving the house to go to a meeting, and I got a call from someone saying, are you a Ruben Lerner? Do you know how to work with Linux servers? I said, yeah. He said, oh, we've got a huge emergency. You've got to come help us. So it turned out that he was really close to where I was having my meeting. So after my meeting, I said, well, I'll just pop by and see what I can do. So I ended up uh, getting there, I think, about, 2pm, 3pm, pulled an all-nighter there fixing his servers, getting everything to work got home, of course, a wreck kept working on things for another week or two, and then of course, you know, wanted to get payment, and well at the end of the day, like he didn't pay, but more than that, like what was more distressing to me was they said, oh well, we don't have payment, but here, we're sending you a fax. And they faxed me, shows that it was 10 years ago, faxed me a letter saying, Reuven Lerner is a thief and a fraud. And basically listing every decision that I told them that they should do with their servers and twisting it. And even though these were complete lies, even though these had no relationship to reality, it just gave me a pit in my stomach. And I was just inconsolable for days. Um, and it really, <laughs> I mean, obviously, that was a bad relationship. Obviously, that was something I, I got out of. But these things can really, really affect you because you worry about your reputation, and you worry about being in the service business like this. So you don't want that, right? You you, you wanna I mean I always tell clients I want to work on interesting projects for long long term, but with nice people. And the nice people is is often the first thing that I say. And of course everyone claims they're nice, right? But you you know who the people are that you wanna work with and you should make an effort to do that as much as possible.
2: Yeah. Well, and because it's our business, it's a freelance business, we're personally invested in it, right? It is like your business is you in so many ways. I and mean, while I say it's not, people are not going to be standing at your grave saying you're an awesome Ruby programmer. But in so many ways, it is your business because it. in my case, I'm the sole provider for the family. So if my business was to tank, then I guess I'd be doing construction again or something.
0: Yeah, that's the thing really is like, even if I totally blow it and my business is ruined, you know, let's get dramatic here. And uh, I can't find work anywhere in this town you know and then i mean what what am i going to do i'm i'm going to go find a job with one of these companies that one of my buddies works at and well darn i'll have to drive to an office and yeah it's not my ideal situation but it's not a horrible thing
3: well and i i had a bad situation a couple of years back and i mean it was the kind of thing like every email i'd get back from that person i would like Couldn't work, was so angry, and my wife would like have to talk to me for hours at night just to calm me down so I can go to sleep. And I got to a point where I figured out what's the worst case scenario, and I was like, okay, I I won't be able to do any development. I will be kicked out of the software industry, and basically work through that. And the end result I came up with was I would go work at a local, local bookstore. I would work from nine to five. I would work with books, which is something I love doing. I would go home at night. I would see my family. I wouldn't worry about work. I'm like, that's really not that bad of a worst case scenario. And that kind of, kind of gave me a bit of freedom to just say, you know, F you to that guy and moved on with my life. Yeah.
0: Well, the other thing is, is that the worst case scenario doesn't include they won't pay. Cause if they don't pay, I've got a contract that says that I can make them pay. So, I mean, that's not even a concern. You know, if they're, if they're unreasonably unhappy with the work that I did or even if they have reason to be unhappy with some of the work i did and they're not they're not going to be reasonable about working things out so that you know i can make sure that the value is fair you know there's nothing i can do about it so you know we we make it work we try to make it work and then ultimately you know you do the best you can so have you guys had contracts like this where you've actually managed to salvage a contract and made the client happy after all even though they were very unhappy to begin with yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: This summer I had one and uh, basically just got a little behind, partially because of my fault, partially because of theirs. And we didn't quite get this initial scope right. And I honestly, I got bored. That's what it was. I got bored and it was this thing hanging over my head. And so my communication dropped off. And the way I salvaged it was to find a gap in my schedule and tell them that for the next two weeks I was theirs. And it only took a week. But we, like I did everything all day for them, they got emails every day about it. And they even said, you know, partway through, we were really mad this last week. You know, these last two weeks have been awesome. And if this is how we could work all the time, then I'd be happy, right? Or that level of communication, lots of communication on it. So, and we were happy. We got it done. And I'm still talking to them. I would work for them again because it was totally my fault. And I just owned up to it. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Yeah, I think that's important too. you. I mean, you do have to own up to however much of it is your fault. And part of it probably is your fault. It's pretty rare that I've seen cases where if there's a dispute between people that it's just one person's fault, that one person is being completely and totally unreasonable and the other person did nothing wrong. Right. Right. What about Um, you, Ruben? You said that you saved one that. Yeah.
1: I mean, so this client that I've been with for four, maybe five years now, things were, I thought going pretty smoothly and I think it was about two years ago. They said, listen, you've been a little slow on getting back to us about stuff and doing things. And so uh, we've gone and talked to some other web development firms about doing the work for us instead of you. Or maybe you can sort of supervise them or do some stuff unless you think you can really handle it. And that was when I got the clear warning sign that they were unhappy and they hadn't told me. And that's when we changed a lot of how we were doing things, including starting these weekly phone meetings, um, including my redoubled commitment to really making sure they were happy. Um, and I think just sort of that crisis point, um, and it wasn't a very long period. It was maybe a few weeks during which we were talking about maybe having another firm come in and me showing them the code and that basically we sort of got on a much better track than we even were before. And now I think we're getting along famously. Like they, they really, they and I get along great and there's a lot of communication going on. And when they need something, they'll make it clear that they need it. But I think a lot of it was demonstrating to them that, no, no, I am really committed to your business. I really want to make it succeed. And I'm going to accept responsibility. And I'm going to suggest a whole lot of processes we can put in place to ensure that these sorts of things never happen again. And you're never disappointed. Or if you are, uh, that the disappointment will be that much more obvious that much sooner. Um, And so far, so good on that front.
0: Yeah, I had a similar experience with uh, a client. And I'd been working for them for about two weeks, and I have to admit that, uh, you know, the project was kind of hard to pick up, it was, you know, fairly complicated, and I really wasn't given a whole lot in the way of information. And the other issue was, was that I had a whole bunch of other stuff going on, and so they weren't happy with the hours I'd put in, they weren't happy with the progress I'd made, and they really didn't feel like I was contributing. Um I wasn't billing them time for just sitting around and wishing I had something to do, but, you know, they, they expected a little bit more from me. And we had the same conversation, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to work. You know, you, we're going to have to have you send back the retainer and we're going to have to have you send back the, you know, the equipment we sent you and things like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, w- what really happened was they were in not so many words, commu- communicating what I failed to understand is their needs. And so I rearranged my schedule so that I could spend more time online with the rest of the team. So I wasn't working as many hours at night. And uh, then I just jumped in and started, uh, you know, squashing bugs as fast as I could. And once I understood what they needed, then it was easier to to make that happen. But the other thing was, was, yeah, I was a little bit bored on that project and still am sometimes. So, you know, it it just, I think communication is really the key there.
1: Absolutely. I'll say, by the way, this, the same client, we needed a graphic designer. I think it was about a year and a half ago now to do some work. And I recommended someone... And she's super nice and even pretty talented, and it was just bad it was It was just a bad match in every possible way she was going through a divorce, she was going through all sorts of stuff, and her professional work was being affected dramatically by this um and I think she also got in over her head with the technology and because I had a positive relationship with them and because there was a lot of trust, I was able to get through that and basically negotiate a a relatively happy end to that. I mean they were still a little ticked off very ticked off with her and a little ticked off with me for bringing her in. But we decided sort of how we're going to move forward in the future with such things. And I don't know if I had, I, I mean, I think it's because I had that political capital to spend based on the years of trust that had uh, accumulated until then that they were willing to forgive me on this front.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. All right, you guys have anything to add as far as uh, helping a contract that's gone a little bit the wrong way?
2: I think what I've heard as we've been talking is making sure, it, or often it's come down to not establishing that priorities properly right up front and not understanding what they a view is the priority, right? And that's what you just said with reallotting your time. Um, I know that's what I found numerous times is not, not understanding their priorities up front. So,
0: yeah. And I think, I think the other thing that you brought up that I really liked was, you know, establishing, uh, their role in the project. We need you to do this. We need you to be involved this way and just, you know, making sure that they understand their role in the way that they need to communicate with you to, to make things move forward the right way.
2: Yeah. My contract actually says if they don't deliver their portions uh, on time, then we get extra days to do it.
1: Nice. Oh, wow. That's that's very smart.
2: I like that. Well, I, I can't, if I'm waiting on, we'll say PayPal credentials from you, well, I can't do anything. So I, I don't pay for that because you can't get it. Yep. So And there's one, actually, my my old contract said if they didn't get me something in two weeks... If they basically, if they didn't communicate at all for two weeks, then I was going to invoice the project. And if they didn't come back within a month, then the project was done. And once I'd invoiced it, they had to pay in full for it to continue. And I had, I have had one client who didn't move it forward. I sent them the invoice and they paid in full and then they did a little bit, but then didn't move it forward. And they I haven't heard from them in two years.
0: Wow. Sounds like we might need to do the contracts episode again because I would I would love to see what's in you guys' contracts. I've been thinking about um, having mine redone because I keep hearing about different things, different options that you put in them <laughs> that I I really like, and and I think that's another thing that is important is that the contract lays out at least some of these expectations both for you and for them. And so then you can at least point to it and say, this says that I'm going to do this. And this says that you're going to do this. And then if there's any question, you can just go back to it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do the picks. Eric, what are your picks?
3: Okay. So I just got one. It's a blog post today. Uh, It's called why I play video games. It's an interesting post. I've grew up playing video games. I actually had to stop because I played them too much during college. Um, But then I've, I've gotten back into it, not like kind of casually like an hour or two here. But it's an interesting post It's by a guy who actually does development, has products and stuff, and he kind of outlines why he plays games and how, how they actually make him better at things. So it's an interesting post, especially, you know, it being kind of the holiday season in the U.S., people are winding down, there's not as much work to do. This kind of gives a nice perspective, so you're not always beating yourself up if you play video games or do stuff you know is not ultra productive to do.
0: All right. Uh, Reuben, what are your picks?
1: Okay, so I've got two picks for today. Uh, one of them is I'm going to do some shameless self-promotion. I am going to be doing an online Python course next month. That is, say, in January, January 14th. Three days of online uh, intensive introduction to Python. Uh, so I've put the link in the show notes. And uh, there is also I'm giving a 10% off coupon to listeners of the show. Freelancer, and that's freelancer singular. So anyone who's interested in learning Python or deepening their introductory basic knowledge, come on down to the course. My other pick is uh, one of the most amazing books ever written about computers, as far as I'm concerned, called The Mythical Man Month by Fred Brooks. And for those of you who have not read it, you absolutely positively must. He managed an IBM project back in the late 60s. And okay, Eric, it's not about computers, it's about people, but it's about the computer industry. Fine, fine, fine. But he managed an IBM project, uh, the OS 360 project in the late 60s. And lots of things went wrong. And he wrote a book about what went wrong and how you can improve the processes and work with people better. And what's sort of shocking is how many of the things that he writes about that went wrong then, basically we still do today. And perhaps the most famous example is uh, what he calls Brooks's Law, which is adding people to a late software project will only make it later. And <laughs> at virtually every programming class I give, I mention this. And everyone just sort of gives these horrified chuckles. Like, oh my god, my company does that too. And <laughs> <laughs> basically the the upshot of this book is we haven't learned anything in 40 years. Uh, but um, it's, it's a fabulous book and very interesting, extremely well written with a lot of great ideas for how to improve these sorts of processes so that either fewer things go wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. Eric mentions the, uh, the great analogy of, you know, the, the, mythical man month, right? Is the title of the book. So you can't say, Oh, this project will take 10 people six months. So we'll have 20 people work on it. And it'll take three months. And the analogy he uses is you can't take nine women and have them each be pregnant for one month. It just, it just doesn't work. Um, and in the same way you can't do that to, uh, software projects. In any event, it's just, A classic and for good reason and uh for anyone who wants to try to extricate themselves from bad situations or learn how not to get into bad situations i uh very highly recommend it
0: that was the one of the only books in college that uh that wasn't for a literature course that i was required to read that was worth reading and that includes my textbooks (laughs) good book all right curtis what are your
2: picks First, I'm going to pick uh, the computer speakers I have, which I've had for, I guess, two years now, maybe three years even. They're Bose Companion 2 speakers, and they are not the loudest thing, so they're not safe for filling a huge office, but I have a fairly small office. They are very clean, very crisp, and sound excellent all the time. My second uh, pick is the Bellroy Very Protective Wallet, which I finally decided to get myself. I've been working with the Mexico wallet that says, what does it say, Quicksilver on it? I don't think it's from Quicksilver because it was like 10 pesos. And I've had that for about 10 years and um, duct taped it a few times and decided this week that it was time to get a new wallet. And the very Protective is fairly waterproof. It's certainly rainproof and you know slight dunking proof and quite
0: small. Awesome. All right. I've got a couple of picks. Um, my first pick is, did I pick this last week? I don't think I did, but I'm going to pick it again anyway if I did. I was talking to Eric about my uh, course that I'm putting together for freelancing. And he pointed out a, a failing that I had in the curriculum, and then he mentioned this book, and I had never read it. So I've been listening to it off of Audible. It's called Duct Tape Marketing by Jim Janch. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, uh, awesome, awesome book. There are a ton of great ideas in there. And I'm, what what I failed to put into the course, it's it's something that I had and something that I did. It was just something that I didn't realize was a critical piece of what I had. And that was that, you know, you have to have a process. You have to understand how to help people decide that you're the right person to help them. So, uh, anyway, so I'm going to pick duct tape marketing. Um, I'm also still loving audible. So, uh, I can, I can put a plug in for that. And then finally I was, uh, I was sitting around recording a podcast this morning and I got this text message on my phone. And it turns out that my wife, because she loves me, got me tickets to. Uh, or got us tickets to the next Hobbit movie, and it, that comes out. I think it comes out on my birthday or the day before my birthday. I don't remember. But uh, anyway, so we're gonna go see it in three D IMAX, and I'm excited. So uh, those are my picks. I believe it comes out shortly. Yeah, shortly. <laughs> yeah, it, I think really it comes only two out and a half day. I think it comes out on the thirteenth, and my birthday is on the fourteenth. So anyway, so those are my picks. And I guess we'll wrap up the show. We'll catch you all next week.